Hello and welcome to San Diego Sessions episode 11. We're in studio today with drummer Isaac Crow, and he's here to talk to us about Orchid Mantis. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. And we are sleep deprived and we have faces for radio. We're back on San Diego <laughs> Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Tordella. And I'm here with my esteemed colleague, co-host, uh, piano player, composer, international man of mystery, Ed Kornhauser. And hey, speak for yourself. Edward Theodore Kornhauser. Yes. And our guest today <laughs> is uh, drummer, percussionist, sometimes bass, bassist, and composer. Bassist. And composer Isaac Crow. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, but first, we have our normal, usual segment, top of the show. I know you've all been waiting all week to see what's going to happen next. This is our segment, This versus That. I like your little uh, notepad there. I have for, a little. For those out there who can't see the podcast, it's a small, like, one-by-two-inch scrap of orange paper. <laughs> okay. This we're, is all we could afford. This <laughs> little piece of paper. We're very high quality here at San Diego Sessions. All right. Here we go. So, Ed, first up, saxophonist Jimmy Heath, or bassist, one-time bassist with the Jazz Messengers, Jimmy Merritt. Oh, oh, oh! Ah, that's a, that's a. They're not even in the same universe. Well, they are, but like they. I'll go with. I'll leave my rhythm section roots behind and go with Jimmy Heath. Oh, okay, Jimmy Heath, yeah. getting our hard bop on. Hard bop is not hard. It's actually easier than regular bop. So why do they call it hard bop? Um, okay. Shots fired. <laughs> Next one. Wow, all the hard, all the hard bop, bop guys just got, uh, got a hey. little hurt by that. <laughs> I worked really hard at this. All right. Next up, Charles Lloyd, saxophonist, legendary 1970s saxophonist, oh. or continues to this day, yes. or... Bassist and Philadelphia resident, he was the bass player with the McCoy Tyner group, McCoy Tyner Trio. Charles Fambro. Okay, that's a tough one, but I'm going to go for like body of work. Go with Charles Lloyd. I saw him with uh, with his quartet, little eh, maybe a couple of years ago at the Athenaeum with uh, who did he play with? I think Gerald Clayton on piano. It was amazing. It was one of the it was one of the best shows. He played like a kid. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. That was a great show. Yeah, the band was amazing. And I like the, Charles, too. And the dashiki game, you know, alone. <laughs> I don't think he had a dashiki that night, though. He did oh, have okay. a neckerchief, though. There you go. Yeah. Style icon. He had a neckerchief. And they just played kind of two sets of music. Uh, Gerald just blended every tune into the next tune. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. That was really a great show. Yeah, but, well, Charles Fambro, I love him, too. I mean, compositionally, 
Jason Chatiel, local pianist, hip me to some of Fambro's records, and the compositions are just amazing. So he, as a writer, I didn't know he he had such a a body of work. He plays on that. I think I think did he play for the Messengers too? Did he? Did, Fambro? Yeah. Did did Jarf I'm not it? sure. Hmm. He might be the bass player on that record album of the year. <laughs> Which is funny. That's the name of the record. Wow. It's a cool tune. It's got like uh, Miss BC on it, and it's a cool tune. All right, number three. An album, rather. Number three. Uh, clarinetist. These guys, this is a tough one. These are both virtuosos of their instrument. Clarinetist Buddy DeFranco. Or Buddy or, Rich. Or, you, or, or, or yes, Buddy, yeah. legendary drumist. Buddy Rich. I knew, oh, that's easy. When you said clarinet, I knew who you were going to go for. I'm going to go with... tapes alone. I mean... I, okay, that's true. <laughs> Body of work. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to make our drummer guest angry and go Buddy DeFranco, though. Oh. Oh, All right, Buddy DeFranco. He's, I know, I'm sorry. Now, the funny thing uh, about but, Buddy... But yes, for comedy. And Sesame Street appearance. Come on. Oh, that's right. Or was it on that... You ever seen that show, um, I Have a Secret? Mm-mm. It was like a show in the 60s. I think it's something like that. But he was on at one point, and but there was a thing where the drum riser came up and like spun him like upside down, and he's still playing. They like secured the drum set to a thing and secured him to the drum set. So okay. it just looked like he was playing with it, and he turned upside down, and he was still playing. Wow. I believe it. Television. I haven't seen it. When they can invert jazz drummers and millions of people watch. <laughs> who wants to, who, I mean, yeah, who, who doesn't want to watch a drummer get inverted on live television? Well, not live. National television. Me, I, I'm that demographic. Perfect. <laughs> You're made for this. All right. And so uh, we're here with Isaac Crow, drummer, composer, and band leader for Orchid Mantis. Who, uh, who all plays in this ensemble with you? It's kind of an ensemble cast. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and we're all basically neighbors. Um, that helps. It, it helps a lot. And, of course, my wife, who... You know, we lived together, so it was it was kind of wow. easy to you know, Live, get cello. Living in sin, the... eh? <laughs> um, of course. Um, <clears throat> so, my wife, uh, Caitlin Fahey Crow, um, she's on it and she sings on a track. And yeah. then uh, Nina Leilani is doing the vocal and uh, vocoding. Um, and then bassist, super bassist electric bassist um harley magsino is doing all the bass work on the album i tried and then i sent him i was like hey man what do you think about this and he just kind of laughed and he was like you need some help i was like you're right please come in and you're calling the professionals yeah Yeah. well i'm glad i did because after he came in and he played um on on some of the tracks i was like oh man i got to change the drums and just really opened up what we could do so getting the right personnel is, is definitely key. And you're playing, uh, you're playing drums and what else? Um, I'm playing acoustic and um, I've got an electronic drum set that I use as a teaching tool. Ooh. But I was like, I'm starting to learn it and it's kind of fun. Huh. And so I use that. So I integrate that into our, our live performances too. And uh, I've got an organelle, which is this crazy synthesizer. So I press those buttons um, and I briefly play the piano. I roll some chords like nice. a drummer. Would. I, I don't know how to play the piano at all. I'm going to change that. It's ear candy. Uh, it's all ear candy. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, that's, that's all. But yeah, drums. 
All right. Well, let's get into one of the tracks on this. And this is a special sneak preview of the album, which is going to be released at the end of this month. The CD release party is October 27th. But this track is called You Said You're Sorry and You Never Really Meant It. with Isaac Crow, We're talking about his new Orchid Mantis project. And that track was called You Said You Loved Me, But You Never Really Meant It. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, boy. Cuts deep. Yeah. Cuts real yeah. deep. Um, so you wrote all the music for that. All the music for this album, rather. Yes. Um, the bass line I took from um, the same titled song by Harley Magsino. Um but I put a different time signature on it. And then I used the the title of the song as the main lyric. And then just the spirit of the song to, you know, just kind of being a little bitter about uh, coming out of a relationship, you know, kind of try move the song along. I dig it. And then, then you get the, the punchline at the end. So <laughs> I remember, I remember doing the original song of that. You said you love me, but you never really made it in a band called Quartet Bombastique. 
which I believe, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you played drums for that. Oh and man, I believe <laughs> you played tenor saxophone, Ian. Actually, mostly alto saxophone oh, on that right. one. But yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. We've got yeah. three quarters of quartet bombastique <laughs> oh, in the room. We also played Poison. That too. was that was fun. And I believe in Nirvana soon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're getting off topic here. So you, you write all the music. Do you, you write the lyrics as well as the, as yeah. well as the music? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Where where did you uh where did you record at? <laughs> I recorded it in my uh in my room, in the in the music room at our house. You have a dope music room though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's covered like floor to ceiling in, in pictures. Yes. That's that's uh it's a massive inspiration board. It's a that's it's, what keeps us going. It's the biggest collage task. I've ever seen in my life. Yes. <laughs> it is collage wallpaper. So I think we were talking on the break, you use logic and then you work yeah, with it all, after that. All logic and uh logic plugins. Yeah, just I mean it's vast for me. I, I don't think I've uh you know, explored more than like 15% of it. And I'm not sure anybody knows it like completely up and down. It's, it's such a big program, or at least, I mean, that's my perspective. There could be people. It's just like, Oh, logic is done. It's all about, I don't know, whatever you're saying, isotope or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. But for me, it's, I'm kind of like a kid in a a candy store. It's, it's very much a, a playground. And you, and that you I enjoy, and you did play a lot. Like I heard a lot of effects. I definitely heard some like some auto tune going on, and you vocorded some vocorded yeah, vocal, 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 vocal it, some stuff. How yeah, you say I, that? there's a plugin for vocoder, but on this particular one, it's um, the JDXI, which I, anybody can just go to Guitar Center and get. Um, and she sang into that. Um, that one didn't have any auto tune. She's all she did all of that, and I think all of those are, are first takes that particular song if i remember correctly um she just went through and she did i think there's about there's i don't know eight or nine vocal parts mm. and uh she came in she stressed you know she just pro- done this something is, with her choir and she has another rehearsal this is nina nina, <laughs> nina leilani we're talking about here. yeah nina leilani and she's like okay you have 45 minutes or you know something like that and so I go, here's your music okay let's do this part and then okay next and then you know i was like we don't have to keep any of these, but usually it would just be like, "There you go." Yeah, she kind of nails the sight reading thing. It's a, it's a bit frightening. It is frightening. Yeah, she's got one of the best like ears of anyone I know. Just insanely quick and just right on. Well, and how it's, I'll put an X. I'll make an XML f- file in in uh, this iPad notation software program called Notion, and then I'll export it into Logic, and then she has that as a reference if she wants, and usually she doesn't want that or she'll have just like there'll mm. be a midi bass and so she'll sing to that and then the bass will come in harley will come in and again he just kind of he'll just take one section at a time and like within an hour he's done probably not even an hour and then he's like all right i'll see you later and then the drums take for me take a long time so, so. on this album obviously you're bringing in a lot of different influences from like trip hop electropop electronica but how did how does this intersect with jazz or i mean all of us all all the people in this band have jazz sensibility but uh where did that come into the project hmm that's that's an excellent question that i haven't really i mean i guess um analyzing the chords or when i'm writing writing it out like i i'll use 
Um, I'll pretend like Rick Helzer is right there. <laughs> yeah, that works. And he'll be like, are you sure you're going to go with that voicing? Have you explored all the other possibilities? Because, you know, I would always send him homework and then he would come, he would put way more time into it than I did. And he'd be like, did you explore these possibilities? And so I would, I would, uh, I would use that. I'd be like, okay, I came up with this, but can I do a little bit better? So, I mean, I don't know if that's jazz tradition, but that was part of my, my training, yeah, and so I tried to I tried to use that, um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't like you know let's put a two five one in in here or, or you know that that type of thing or right J- just to just to cover our bases. Uh, Rick Helzer was the uh, jazz instructor at San Diego State where we all went. He was my piano teacher. We all took classes and studied with him, um, and he w- is just a uh, monster when it comes to theory and harmony and like jazz concept stuff born educator and an amazing player of um just thought i'd say that yeah. yeah well i mean i think i think everybody who's gone through that program or has met people or studied with them runs his software i think yeah. we're all running on on, on helzer we have a big debt and we owe him a big debt you're right yeah i i uh i'm no longer scared of giant or chords with very long extensions I'm like oh i can see how this sort of works i can he he opened my mind up to so much stuff right anyway well, so, and you, you can tell, like, people have a chord with, you know, all this stuff, like, parenthetical, like, yeah. flats and sharps and exactly. very specific Kitchen voice chords. Yeah. Yeah. So, Isaac, when, when this band plays live, you were mentioning you have more string players. Yeah. Also, do you incorporate more open sections for improv, things like that? No. Um, um, the improv sections are closed. Now, we tried it open, and I, I like keeping it closed and constrained. You have one or two courses depending on what the song is to tell your story and so in that way it's it's more more of a a product and it goes away it's Uh i tried you know what's this vamp this section then there's a cue to do this and then i mean like in this particular when we do this one live there is a vamp that, that cues out of it and i think generally we don't stay like maybe we'll do something like maybe four times and no more than that, but yeah, we're pretty structured in in how we do it. Right, that's cool. It's so that way the the song is a it's a service to the song itself, you know, letting the pieces kind of be as they are instead of like big vehicles for a bunch of improvisation. But the compositions sort of stand more uh, as what they are themselves, just the compositions. Sure, yeah, that, that made yeah. some sense, I think. It was kind of went in circles there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's got that <laughs> pop sheen to it that I don't shy away from. I, I, I kind of like that. Right. I don't want to lose anybody, too. Um, I, I like to keep it the excitement. And I think there's a lot of people like me, maybe their, their attention span um, yeah. isn't the longest. So I want to keep people on the edge of their seats whenever. It, and if we're a little bit short... I would rather do, I, I want them, or, oh, I wish that solo would have went on, mm. rather than like, okay. It know. is nice to keep it dialed in, and then, you like you said, you have to work within that format and really play a good solo or or play in service to the song. But, I mean, I've thought yeah. about the same thing. I thought about, I've th- thought about making a jazz record of, of just vignettes, like literally 10 tunes or something that are all three minutes or under. Yeah. Maybe just had sometimes miniatures. No yeah. solos even. Um Well I saw a performance with, kick with that around. With Nazo with uh Nazo Zakak. Yeah. yeah. He had all of these really nice 
uh, what do you, I, I'm probably mispronouncing because I've only read it. Uh, a moose bouche is that what you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these little pieces in between that were like nice little palate cleansers, and so you know, seeing that live was really effective. And you didn't you didn't expect that everything was going to be like four or seven minutes or whatever. So it, it helped me just be like, okay, what's what's next? It was kind of like on some of Robert Glasper's like early stuff. He'd have those yeah. little like Dilla jam things that would like fade in, play for a while, and then fade mm-hmm. out in between like the bigger meteor tracks. Yeah, which I always liked. I mean, I thought they were cool sounding, but I I really dug that concept just in general. It was really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, broke broke it up a little skits. bit. Yeah, who doesn't like a good skit? <laughs> Prince would also do like skits on stage, but those were literal skits. They were funny. <laughs> well, that's good enough for me. Actually, we've been we've been writing skits in between, just because our um, our first show, uh, or no, our second show. I was like, you know what? I need to talk more in between these songs, and it was really really awkward. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to write something. I'm going to write a tune to go in between the tunes, so I don't have to do that again. Because public speaking. Is not my greatest skill yet. I need to shed public well, speaking. Mic chops are real. That's I've been having that conversation a lot lately. There's there's some people I've seen who are just uh, super awkward turtles, and then uh, some people are uh, John Clayton. I saw John Clayton. He's like had the best mic chops I've ever seen. He was just killer in yeah. terms of just like super personable and funny. He had it dialed in, was warm and welcoming. I'm like that's that's cool. Yeah, well, I, th- I think you're gifted that way. I mumble and just go to blah, 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 blah. We get excited. Yeah, that's endearing, though. Come yeah. on. Hi. You got mic chops. So, and again, if you want to see Isaac Crow's brand new mic chops, <laughs> the, the CD release for Orchid Mantis is going to be October 27th, just coming up shortly at Studio Unseen, and that's right on Park Boulevard in, in University Heights. But you can find more, more about that on Orchid Mantis' Facebook page. Yes. Yeah. How do people band camp? How do people uh, get tickets? They can go on orchidxmantis.bandcamp.com <laughs> or there's a link on the on our Facebook cool fan page which I need to put out today. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, by the yeah. time by the time people are listening to this, it'll be in a few days. Oh, yeah. The show will be yeah. in a few days. This should come out yeah, should be this Friday. Yeah, you can just click on it and then, you know, PayPal. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, your, your inspiration for this group. I mean, I know, I mean, when I first moved to town, you and I, we listened to a ton of music, everything from like Sonny Rollins and, and Art Pepper on vinyl to like Square Pusher, Aphex Twin, Otecra. Um, but on this, I mean, Wagon just me Christ. personally, I'm hearing a lot of like Bjork, uh, Imogen Heap, maybe like Square Pusher and definitely Trip Hop stuff but what what was your inspiration like putting this whole concept together as the producer composer evil mastermind of this project (laughs) there's a lot there um i think all those people that you mentioned like the art pepper and and sunny rollins and um atekra and square pusher and wagon christ and apex twin were your influences Mm. are you and you and darcy yeah luke vibert yeah yeah made me some cds and then i remember just each one of those, I was just like, oh my goodness, I'd never heard anything like that. Or, I mean, I've heard drum and bass in, in the background, like maybe on a commercial or like a kung fu fight breaks out and all of a sudden there's, you know, <laughs> that's always exciting. I wish that happened at shows. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Kung fu fights breaking out. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. 
like staged, not like the audience, not like some kind of death oh yeah, yeah. no 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 one, no one's getting hurt. <laughs> professional stump people. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that would be awesome. Actually, yeah. Along those lines, I've been trying to get dancers to to join the show, and that's well, that's proven challenging. On a side note, I was at the loft at UCSD, and I was watching Dan Rosenboom's group with. Dan Rosenbluth's trumpet player. Okay. His day gig is actually like Josh Groban's band or something, but he plays super out like heavy metal jazz. It's just shredding stuff. Two guitar players, um, crazy stuff. And some of the kids from UCSD came in and they were at Dan Rosenbluth's show. And during his music, they started break dancing, like heart, like good break dancers, wow. just on the floor in the loft. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, it was killer. That's yeah. my dream. It was intense. <laughs> I think that's cool. I've seen, like, I mean, Prince would always have people dancing. I mentioned Prince again. Or, uh, this is kind of silly, but I know back in the day, Beck had a guy in his band that just danced. That's what he just stood in kind of one area and just sort of danced the entire time on stage. That well, was his, we, we've that been was talking job. about that, like, hype girl. <laughs> or, yeah. Like, you know, if you're not singing or if you're not doing something, don't just stand there, like, yeah. you know, kind of. Kind of make it into are, who's Tank and the Bangers? Have you seen them? Yeah, they're Tank super and the compelling. Bangers. Yeah, Man, they're Great fun to band. watch. Yeah, from New yeah. Orleans. Yeah, and also you know just yeah. being aware of yourself performing and making it compelling. Right. Like, last time I was in New York, um, which was like a year and a half ago, um, or two years, me and Caitlin went to. Uh, to see a show, a jazz show, and and the guy after he was done soloing, he started picking his nose. I'm like, come on, you're still performing even though you're not like the main focus. How do you know that was a part of the show, man? Oh, you're right. Maybe wow, it's perform. It is performance. Don't, don't. <laughs> that was part of it. That was a shtick. Don't stop him from living this truth. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, we- I need to open my mind. <laughs> yeah. So when you were putting this together. Uh, yeah talking influences again between you and like nina and harley or how did you come up with the overall concept or what were some of the some of the inspiration behind the 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 sound well the inspiration of the sound i think we're all very inspired by you know the music of bjork and you know in our our late teens and early 20s that was on the radio definitely that was kind of inescapable and i think kind of mind-blowing experiencing you know just her unique take on on music and pop and that kind of i mean she fuses a lot of different things together and then but it also has that dance dance quality and um i know she holds a very special place in all of our hearts so that's definitely an influence um by all so and then um just meeting with everybody and saying hey like you know like I, I remember the first of the year, like the first week, I was like, "Hey Harley, let's have coffee," and then we were discussing influences, and mainly him. He would just be like, "Man, you've got to check out X and such group or this or Portis Head live in New York." I think that's his go-to when he's having a bad day. He watches Portis Head yeah. live in New York, and I was like, "You know what? I have this idea that I've seen it, and I, I remember watching a little bit about." on it and then just being like oh this is kind of boring and you know kind of piecing out and then going back and i was like oh this is awesome you know trip hop you know what's that yeah, and then that? having huh? portis head roseland pavilion is that the one in new york i i yeah. think it, it's that they've got the new york fill is that when they have outtakes on that they're just shredding some ry- rhythm changes or something What's great is her piano player on that can really, he can really get around. Yeah. Like he can play. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not the thing that's stuck with that. I don't yeah, remember no, that. That's not exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but. I, I like, you know, the, the massive string section and, and then you, and then you have turntables and, um, 
you know yeah their the whole feel the whole like I, I don't know what noir feeling of that album was kind of cool and so that's definitely an influence and then you know caitlin is you know she's a, a great cellist and so i was like man we, we can do we can have our own unique spin uh, on those types of things incorporating uh strings with electronics yeah well what i liked i is the layering of the strings and then speaking of bjork going back to bjork is that you just stacked up some vocals like you said there might be sometimes like what five or seven vocal parts i think in one part, there's 11 11 yeah 11. it goes to Nina 11 choir. yeah i, I like yeah. that the, 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 it sort of puts an emphasis on that texture as opposed to oh we've got to have three or four guitar parts and five, three or four keyboard parts and lay over a bunch of stuff but just have it kind of you've got the rhythm of you and harley but then yeah. you've got just it's vocals and strings as opposed to like a proper chordal instrument Yes, it gives it kind of a. It can be quite big and quite dense, but it can also be very sparse. Yes, which is like, and the way you contrast those is really cool. Um, thank you, Ed. thank you very much. I, 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 I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's let's get out of this little love fest here, and we'll go into another track. Uh, this track features the strings. This one is called Exo Moon, and again, you can check out Orchid Mantis at their CD release, October twenty seventh. This is San Diego Sessions, your inside perspective on the SD jazz scene.
Hi, I'm Harley Maxino, and here is your jazz forecast for October 22nd through the 29th. Sunday, October 22nd, vocalist Lorraine Castellanos and pianist Ed Kornhauser will play at the Turf Supper Club for Sassy Sunday in Golden Hill from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, 21 and up. Monday, October 23rd, guitar player Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, October 24th, Fusion Quartet Moth and Sons perform at 7 Grand from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Featuring Ian Tradella on sax, Joey Carano on guitar, Harley Maxino on bass, and Charlie Weller on drums. No cover, 21 and up. Wednesday, October 25th, trumpet player Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Drop by early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. The Ed Kornhauser Organ Trio plays some late-night jams at 7 Grand, featuring guitar player Michael Borowski and drummer Charlie Weller from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., 21 and up. Thursday, October 26th, singer Lorraine Castellanos continues her second and fourth Thursday residency at Panama 66, performing alongside pianist Tony Tixier from 6 to 8 p.m., all-ages show. The Whitney Shea Trio plays at the U.S. Grand Hotel downtown from 8 to 11 p.m. Friday, October 27th, young lion pianist Edward Gabrielian at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., along with bassist Rob Thorson and drummer Richard Sellers. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Saxophonist Christopher Holliday plays the music of Duke Ellington at the La Jolla Community Center, joined by pianist Ed Kornhauser and bassist Mackenzie Layton. Doors open at 7 p.m. Music at 8 p.m. More info and tickets available at ljcommunitycenter.org. Vocalist Lorraine Castellanos performs at the Westgate from 8 to 11 p.m. in the Plaza Bar. She'll be joined by pianist Tony Tixier and bassist extraordinaire Bob Magnuson. No cover. Veteran San Diego saxophonist Dick McGuane brings his quintet to Dizzy's featuring trumpeter Derek Cannon, pianist Jason Chatil, bassist Rob Thorson, and drummer Bob Weller. $20 cover and $15 for students. Music begins at 8 p.m. The Antar Martin Quartet featuring vocalist Santino Scambaleri plays at the U.S. Grant downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight. Saturday, October 28th. Trumpet player Gilbert Castellanos presents Portraits in Jazz at the San Diego Museum of Art, featuring a selection of spooky Halloween-inspired jazz. Along with Gilbert, the band will feature an all-star ensemble, including flautist Holly Hoffman, pianist Mike Wofford, drummer Tyler Crutell, and more. Music begins at 8 p.m. The Whitney Shea Quartet plays once more at the U.S. Grant in downtown San Diego from 8 p.m. to midnight. Sunday, October 29th, Tim Felton and the crew host their monthly funk jam at Panama 66 in Balboa Park from 6 to 8 p.m. 
with a house amp, percussion, and a drum set and keyboard. Check out Sundays in the Park on Facebook to see the song list. This is Harley Maxino, bassist for Orchid Mantis. Now back to San Diego Sessions. You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to San Diego Sessions. We're here at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. And again, our guest today is Isaac Crow, drummer, composer, producer, and evil mastermind behind the group Orchid Mantis. And we heard Exo Moon, and after that, Harley Maxino did the jazz calendar, and we heard a composition called I Just Want to Dance under that. Um, and now Ed has our segment, The San Diego 7. Yes, this is the San Diego 7, seven rapid-fire questions that uh, we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, number one, what was the first album you ever bought? Oh, my goodness. The first album that I ever bought um, that I can remember that I bought right. would be, yeah, that would be um, a good, yeah. well, it Caveat. was two. Primus Suck on This. That's <laughs> 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 true. It's their live album. It has a little baby, and he's, he has a you know a baby bottle full of milk um, rendered in clay. Um, and at the same time, I bought, oh, shoot, um, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd and... Miles Davis tribute album with Wallace Roney and Ron Carter, Tony Williams, Ernie oh, Hancock. That's a that's a cool mixed bag. Yeah, and there was one other one. I, I bought it because uh, Billy Higgins was on it. But yeah, so I, th- I think I bought four albums at one time. I think that was my first. I went to Music Trader. Cool. Nice. And Chula Vista. Number two. Who's an underrated uh, jazz drummer? Um, an underrated? Underrated. Oh, goodness, man. Um... I mean, that's that's with us would be no, no, no. You could be gone, but well, I mean, I think Keith Cowan is definitely. I think that's one of my biggest influences, um, and we're we're both we're both friends with him. Um, style game one, but uh, just how good he was and unique, and like he would he came to my house once, and um, that's that's my first li- listening of Wagon Christ. And he hamboned along with the entire um, the track. Like, he had it all memorized, and it was just, like, perfect. And I was like, man, you can do that without drums. Like, he could, or he could put up, like, a, like a tambourine in a suitcase or something and make it sound, like, you know, perfect. Like, you, wouldn't, you didn't miss a set. Yeah. Um, and for so- our listeners, Keith Cowan was an amazing drummer uh, from, lived in Virginia for a while, but went to University of North Texas, so... Yeah. And I think one of the first times I saw him, he had these um, <laughs> blue jack-in-the-box straws that he put through his ears. Gaged out ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he had, like, this geisha um, skirt thing and a t-shirt. Well, this guy, one time, <laughs> he was living at my friend Drew, Drew Pitcher's house, who was an amazing alto saxophone player with a group called the Queen's Cartoonists. But anyway, he was at Drew's house, and he had didn't have any clothes, so... I don't know why, you know, he, he didn't have his stuff. So he'd gone to Goodwill and he bought a suit or a couple suits and he was wearing suits for a couple of weeks, you know, and this is when we're 19, 20 years old and he's wearing a suit and tie every day. Uh, anyhow. That, that actually leads us kind of perfectly into my next question. Okay. So who are you wearing today? 
<laughs> who am I wearing? Well, Ed, um, I'm wearing some uh, military. I got this at Bargain Center. I love that place. Yeah, I do too. So I think these are um, like officer pants or something. They're they're th- probably the most well constructed pants I've ever owned, mm. um, and they go up to my belly button. And uh, they fit like pants should. There's there's a bunch of guys my age walking around with the skinny jeans, you know, and they got pear-shaped bodies. <laughs> it's like, I can't do that. My wife makes fun of me too much, so I was like, I'm going to get myself a pair of pl- proper slacks that are not, like, you know, super expensive. And then she got me this shirt, which uh, is Animal Farm, but it's first edition release in Japan for Christmas. So, very cool. And you're also you're also wearing some some red, white, and blue striped socks with little skulls on them. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you got to wear power socks. And some Birkenstocky things. Mhm. Yeah. And uh your little chore coat kind of a jacket. Yeah. 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 These are all these are all items that my wife has purchased for me and I was like, "All right, here Quite we go." Quite an entourage. And uh yeah. And, uh, Rose, I try. And you're also <laughs> seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. Literally <laughs> rose-colored aviator glasses. Yes, I am. There will be pictures online. Man, you got to give yourself every kind of edge you can. This is true. This is definitely <laughs> true. Um, number four. Did someone order a pizza for Fat Elvis? They absolutely did. And you know what? He ate it all himself. I'm sure he did. <laughs> there was nanners on it and peanut butter. <laughs> so oh my i've heard about that that's a that's a that's a deep cut from a, a tune isaac wrote a long time ago that we used to record called did someone order a pizza or open parenthetical for fat elvis yeah. close parenthetical i think the best thing about that is it opened up with um a quote of blue christmas by you that's true i forgot about that yeah. um number five do you have a favorite classical composer um i mean i guess you have probably Bach I mean that, I think that's kind of easy yeah. um, however if, I, if I've if i had a little too much to drink I, I sometimes <laughs> list, I'm not a big Mahler fan but I do really like there's this one movement in Mahler 4 that I'll just I'll kind of loop where it has this uh, I think soprano or mezzo soprano and she's singing about heaven um, and just how beautiful it actually thinking about it I, I get a little verklempt so that is one of my favorite I mean, I, lo- I love a lot of um, in German opera, generally. Yeah, but I think just for comp- composer, Bach, yeah. Cello suites, partitas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. St. Matthew's Passion. I was watching I mean, on YouTube the other day. Uh, people have done that thing where they take Bach, put it through MIDI, and then invert it. So it's like played backwards, and then every every interval's inverted. So if it's okay. like down a sixth, it's up a sixth. Okay. And, I mean, it sounds weird, but it still sounds good, because his stuff is so mathematically perfect. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like it sounds still sounds like Bach, and it sounds cool. Just sort of odd, but okay. it still sounds good. It doesn't sound like gobbledygook. Th- that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, number six. <clears throat> For your day's first potation, do you prefer a bitter blackness staring up at you, staring up at your face from a porcelain abyss, spelling of damp earth and the raw potatoes that sustain your ancestors through hellish winters ad infinitum that could begin to stir all things inside you, both creative and bowel in magical ways? Or do you prefer a subtle, refined, herbal concoction, meditative and Proustian in nature, 
enjoyed quasi-fanatically by the colonial aristocrats who over centuries systematically oppressed your ancestors with violence, both political and religious. Or to put it another way, coffee or tea? Yeah, the perfidious English. English. Although I think, you know, <laughs> we've adopted a, 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 it's Irish breakfast tea now, so it's not just coffee. Oh, okay. um, oh you, 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 you figured out a way out of my trap right there. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I have kind of um, gotten into tea lately, pu'er tea. It's, it's really, really strong. Um, so it's, it's not one or the other. It's, it's whatever I run out of. And if I'm too lazy to go to Zion Market and get mo- another brick of pu'er, I pick up coffee. Fair, so fair play, fair play. There it is. I can't. I can't pick between the two. And, and I like your you uh, Irish tea, so you don't drink the drink of your oppressors. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the same thing. It's it's a blend. Like they don't grow tea there. It's it's all from you know, like I don't know, just Assam tea basically, and uh, they call it e- either English or. Irish, although I think the Irish make it really, really, really strong. Yeah. That's kind of how I roll. They actually drink more tea than... They're the second biggest tea drinkers on the planet, the Irish. I believe. So that. my joke actually falls flat in reality, but they're, they're second only to Turkey. Is that a fact? Yeah. How do you know this? I used Google it yesterday. Remember when I asked mm. you if you were Irish? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry. Uh, and number seven, our standby. Bacon. I'm assuming you mean Kevin, and that's an emphatic yes. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you assume I mean what? <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Come on, man. Kevin Bacon. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I, <laughs> I am so... Or if it's, if it's the smoky lard on, that's also a, no, a yes. I, I, just feel, I, I just feel very dumb now. <laughs> that's... I feel very dumb now. Yeah, you want? Do you want to try it again? No, that was great. Okay. Uh, no, I think that was great. Just edit out the part where I looked like an idiot. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. So I think our our running tally is six bacon, three no bacon, one turkey, one Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it's a good. Uh, it's a good. Uh, it's a good run. And that was the San Diego Seven with Isaac Crow and. Ed Kornhauser, and we're here with Isaac for an inside joke fest and a discussion of the Orchid Mantis (laughs) record. His group is called Orchid Mantis, and their brand new release is coming out this month, the CD release party, as I mentioned, October 27th. Yes, at Um, Studio Unseen in uh, University Heights. Yes. And you can get tickets online at Bandcamp, Orchid Mantis Bandcamp, and also the Orchid Mantis uh, Facebook page as well. Yes. And you were also playing the the day before, I believe. Yeah, Palomar College. Cool for all your North for all you North County peoples at twelve thirty. At twelve at twelve thirty, mm-hmm. you have to be a student to uh, to attend. No, you do not let anybody in. Cool, you, you don't have to pay or anything like that. Just have to go. And I think um, parking is is free up until two thirty. I oh. believe on Fridays. Wicked. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, what what are your plans for the group? Sort of future plans: more recording, more gigging, touring. Yeah, so that hat comes on right now, where I, you know, I start doing podcasts. Mm. <laughs> right. The Orchid Mantis Chapeau. Yeah, and se- and really selling it. Um, uh, the engineer's cap is. I th- it might be off. Um, I'm not sure. I'm a little hesitant to be to be like, okay, this is it. It's hard to end. That's why it's like Duke Ellington said. Um, I don't need time. I need a deadline. It's good to have a deadline. Just be like, I am done mm. now for the mixing and engineering. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, it'll just be yeah. like 
I've made like 40 CDs of it or 40 different complete mixes like oh, at yeah. the end of the day and then I listen to it so wow. it's, it's For, getting a little bit crazy I think uh, um, I think Gabriel Sunday uh, former guest in the podcast had something like 11 maybe more mixes of that record Nexus that we that we did I think he did like so many mixes on that or rather he had so many mixes done but it was yeah. the same thing yeah, well, that's it, it great. Yeah, it and they keep crazy. getting better. I enjoyed your, your mixes. Um, oh, cool. I mean, one thing I did I never knew, but I was watching a little mini documentary on Thriller, an old documentary, and Bruce Swedeen, the engineer on Thriller, and Quincy Jones, they finished the whole thing. They mixed the whole thing over a couple weeks, and they back then you would make a test pressing on vinyl. So they got the test pressing, and they threw it on, they listened to it, and... You know, they heard it and it was pretty good. And they just decided, well, this just really doesn't have the, any impact that, that we want it to. So they, they trashed it and they went back and they remixed the whole record. I believe which it. Which is amazing. And that's, that's Michael Jackson we're talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the oligarch of pop. Yeah, <laughs> the oligarch of pop, indeed. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm totally ready to move on to other things and, and start booking shows and do all, all of uh, those other aspects, and we do that all our, ourselves, you know, from from you know concept to con- completion. Um, that said, um, we're we're looking forward to six months from now and having another another one. So April twenty seventh, Friday, look out. So that's wow. the deadline. We'll see what happens. Wow, that you definitely do set your deadlines way in advance. It gives you plenty of time. Run yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. So when you have a little bullseye like that, I th- I think it helps kind of narrow channel your energies do you have any other current projects you're working on or exciting gigs besides this band right now um oh man um i'm working with caitlin i think she wants to do a either a solo album or some kind of project nina's threatening to do or uh having me produce which i mean i don't know that would be cool. I've never really done production. I mean, anything like that outside of this project. You've got the sunglasses. <laughs> I have the sunglasses, though, so I th- I think I can do that. Mm. I, I want to make a, a label. That would be cool, where things are kind of similarly textured um, with with people uh, in our, in our hood. That, w- um, that that would be. Co- I mean, that's one of our kind of reasons for starting this podcast is we want to generate some interest in like people putting new music out there. So that would be that would be awesome to like kind of start like a start like a label and start pushing sure yeah and i'm i know i i'm very thankful uh, that you guys are doing this so that that helps helps out a lot a little boost the san diego sessions boost you're gonna get the bump yeah yeah the, the, I mean, the ed cornhouse or bump the, the sdsb the san diego sessions boost i mean i listen to it so i'm sure millions of other people do You've you've made me. You've made me what I am. Did Thank we, you, guys. Did we, <laughs> did, we, did we did we complete you? You completed me. Uh, you, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I can't say this line say lines anymore. <laughs> you can't say that on the radio. Right. Uh, well, good thing this is a podcast then. <laughs> well, I think we're gonna take it out with one more track, but maybe Isaac, you could give me give us an intro and some insight behind this track. But before we wrap it up. We want to thank you for being our guest number 11. Oh, yeah. Double ones. Double ones. Yeah. Auspicious. Yeah. And one more quick plug. October 27th is a CD release at Studio Unseen for the Orchid Mantis record. Uh, so this last track, I believe, is called 
in my dreams. And we were talking about the vocal layering and things like that earlier in the show. But uh, give us some insight behind the production of this last tune. Well, I think uh, another one of my really big inspirations is Laurie Anderson. And I'm sure you've probably heard Oh Superman. And she has, you know, this ah, ah, ah in the background. And so I wanted to do that. So that kind of helped give me some direction. Um, There's also, I watched this YouTube of Mary Halverson, and she was talking about her composition uh, process. She'll have a composition, she'll think it's done or whatever, and then she'll give herself a task of like adding 20 more measures, or it's something very specific, and before she's done, she she has to make the objective, whether it's going into a different key or just some kind of thing like that. And so I tried to do that with the first song, and... um that's how this came up. So it's kind of an offshoot. They have a similar lyric in the beginning. Um, so I just kind of expanded that, thinking it was gonna, I was going to attach it to the first song, Perfect Moment. So th- that and um, Nina was doing um, her choir work with uh, uh, Voices of Our City. And I was like, hey, so what's your high note and what's your low note range? And, you know, so I was I wrote based on what she could do, because I think her range in like July was like a high B and she could sing a low, low F sharp. Um, (laughs) And I said this massive tessitura. And I was like, "Okay, what's, you know, because that's not that's not normal. She usually can't just always hit that B. And so I wrote that part out. And again, uh, she came in, um, she had, I think, an hour and a half, and she did every single part of the choir, and then I took her to Raman. <laughs> but Deal. it's like 11-voice harmony, and like wow. perfectly in tune. Wow. Um, the, like the, the low male voices, and then the super high. That, that's, um, that's neat. Her, her, her intonation's amazing, and she's just got like the strongest ear. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and, she was, and there, was, there was no tracks. It was just she had a click, and then she did it. And then, and then I asked Harley, and then, yeah. I remember one time I was I was at my house. And I was just for some reason I on the middle of my keyboard. I just started to play. I think it made sense in context. I started playing the Star Wars theme, and she was standing behind me. And within a second, she just reached over, so put her left hand like below my below me, and her right hand kind of the, above my middle. But and she played the actual bass line from the tune, and then she played this counter melody that I didn't realize was in the song until she played it, and I realized it is. It is in the original score, and she just and you know I played it in whatever key I played, and she just did it by ear. Wow, like like that. Well, I'm surrounded by all these string players have like either perfect pitch or their relative pitch. Like Caitlin, she sang Exo Moon. Um, it was the same thing. I think she she just came in and then she sight sang it down, and she was like, "Is that it?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, thanks." I don't think she took another take. And when we do this live, she sings, she takes a part. And then um, our violist, Rebecca Matayoshi, um, she sings on it too. And again, like, you know, no vocal training, but they can sing in tune and and hit all the all the articulations and all that kind of stuff so i'm i'm kind of blessed to be around cuz i can't sing myself at all no. <laughs> so it's good to have all of these really talented musicians working on the project you've corralled a cool posse indeed well cool let's uh let's take it out on uh another tune by Isaac Crow our guest in the studio today this one's called in my dreams thanks for being with us today thank you guys for having me thank you yeah Thank you. 
Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Number seven, our standby. <laughs> you just headbutted your mic, man. No, my nose butted my mic. That's the problem when you have a giant nose. All right, wait a minute. Let me try that again. Do that. Uh, start with number seven. Oh, you got to yeah, keep yeah. that. Ow. That hurt, actually. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a huge snoz. Uh, All right.